Hi, you're listening to Coffee Talk. I am your host, Liv Alliston. So last week was part one of identifying the Holy Spirit. It was the message that God gave to me to give to the women at my church. And this week I wanted to share with you um, the second part of that, um, which is on the second half of the book of Acts. And that will be the final installment of the message series at our church called Harmony of the Gospels. And so I really hope you enjoy it. And here we go. Hi, everyone. Uh, Good to be back and see everybody again. Um, We're going to jump right into the second half of Acts in session two. Um, Let's go ahead and let's open our Bibles uh, to Acts chapter 27. Again, this is going to be a lot of scripture, not as much flipping back and forth, but we are going to read quite a significant portion of the last part of Acts. So Acts chapter 27, we're going to read all the way through verse 14 of chapter 28. So buckle up and here we go. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Adramidium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends to be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. Make note of that, please. Continuing on, verse 5. And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Snidus. And as the winds did not allow us to go farther, we sailed under the lee of Crete of Sa- off Salmon. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the, f- the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend winter there. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called a northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Kata, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo, and on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned." Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar." 
And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. When the fourteenth night had come, as we were driven along across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took the sound and found twenty fathoms. A little farther on, they took a sounding again and found fifteen fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he said these things, he took bread, giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate food for themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with the beach on, and which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. After we were brought safely through, we, we learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they had said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature from the, into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and they saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who had received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to set sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit arrived at Regium. After one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Puteoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. Whew. So on the morning of September 10th, I was having a quiet time. I was reading through Acts chapter 27. 
and God gave me the message that I'm giving to you today. Um, I immediately texted the other ladies that are speaking and and I said, you know, God gave me a message for Acts. Can I please, please speak in February at the Harmony of the Gospels? And they said, you know, of course. So a few hours later, we had a situation happen that came up and it's crazy how I, I thought God had given me the message for you guys, and it was really a message that he had given to me. Um, But I do believe that when God does something on an individual level, there is oftentimes a concurrent corporate experience within the body of Christ. So we're going to go through and dissect this passage that in this message that God gave to me for myself, and I pray that it's for at least one of you out there sitting here today. So Paul was being sent to Rome to appear before Caesar. He had been arrested and tried and appealed to the emperor. In verse 4 of chapter 27, we find that the wind was against them. So this is the part that really grabs my attention because oftentimes throughout scripture, we see the Holy Spirit being likened to wind. So now going down to verses 9 and 10, we find Paul urging the soldiers to not go on the voyage because he feared that they would all crash and die. So by this time in Paul's life, just to give you a little bit of backstory, he had been shipwrecked three times, (laughs) three times. So I don't know about you, but if I had gone through something that traumatic three times, I would be a little bit more than wary and extremely fearful. But notice it does not say in the text that Paul heard from the Lord or it was a word from God. And he said, please do not go. God told me, don't go. We're going to wreck and die. No, it was simply his opinion of what he feared would happen. How often do we try to dictate our own course simply out of fear? There are so many unknowns and, and possible heartaches and hard circumstances that we try to course correct before we crash. Nobody likes being at the end of themselves in unknown territory. It's definitely scary. It's not fun. But Paul, you know, he was a man of God. He definitely heard from the Lord. He had a face-to-face encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus. But, you know, he was also just human, just like you and I. And, And sometimes fear can drown out the voice of God. So we read on to find out that the centurion, he didn't listen to Paul. They went ahead and they sailed on. And verse 13 says, A gentle wind blew them along, and they thought they were doing fine on their own. It said that they had, they thought they had obtained their purpose. Wow. (laughs) I feel that way a lot (laughs) until it says a violent wind arose and they weren't strong enough to fight it. So they gave into it. They gave way to it. So how many of you know that God is in control, right? I mean, so often there are times in my life where things are going so smoothly that I buy into this delusion that I'm the one in control. Not only am I in control, but that I must be really good at it because everything is just going swimmingly. (laughs) But how many of you also know that the smooth wind that directed their course, it had nothing to do with them. It had everything to do with God. Is anyone else besides me guilty of taking credit for the goodness of God? This is the part of the story uh, where we need to remember that God, in his sovereignty, causes or allows things to happen to draw us closer to him and to bring glory to his name. So we see the storm and it is raging on. It's been raging on for days and it says all hope was lost. And right then when they had done everything in their power to survive, 
Paul encourages them to take heart because he had received a vision of an angel of God. So the angel said, it's verse 24, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So Acts 23, verse 11, it says, The following night the Lord stood by him, by, by Paul, and he said, Take courage, for you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So we see in Acts 23.11 that God had promised Paul that he was going to Rome to testify about Jesus, right? When God says something, it is an absolute promise. Um, He is faithful and he is trustworthy and um, everything that comes out of his mouth, he will make good on. So when God said, you're going to go to Rome, it means Paul is going to go to Rome. But in this moment of this tempestuous storm, just, just as Peter was walking on the water in Mark 6, um, the, the message that I gave back on surrender, he took his eyes off of God and he placed them on the storm. And Paul did the same thing in this moment. But God, in his gracious and his faithful love, he sent Paul an angel just to remind him about what he had said. Verse 25 says, So take heart, men, for I have faith in God. It will be exactly as I have been told. I believe that we too, we need to remember and believe what God has said so that we can endure the storms, knowing there's a purpose for the pain and there's an end to this season. It's not enough to just seek God when things get tough because usually it's all we can do just to get out of bed, right? Much less to press into the Lord, which is spiritual warfare. We need to take advantage of the good times when the wind is gently blowing us along the coast so that when the bad times come, We draw from what we have already stored up inside of us. So verse 29 going on, we find out that two weeks had passed. So the passengers started to fear again because although they received a word from God that none of them would perish, a lot of time has passed. Time makes us doubt God's promises. I mean, look at Abraham, right? I'm sure that he and Sarah doubted at some point. You know, it's been a long time, God. Did you forget we were supposed to have like a son? So... Time absolutely makes us doubt God's promises. Like maybe we didn't hear him correctly at all or at all. Uh, Maybe he's forgotten us or, or maybe he doesn't care. But just know God is always working in our waiting. Even when we don't see his hand, we have to trust his heart that he is good, that he is faithful to his word, that he is for us. I, I heard a saying, I don't remember who said it. Do not doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. So verse 33 says, As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. So right here we see, we see Paul is reminding them of God's promises. And it goes on to say in verse 35, When he had said these things, he took bread, giving thanks to God in the presence of all. He broke it and began to eat it. And they were all encouraged. They ate food for themselves. We were 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. So it says after that they were, they were encouraged by this. They were reminded of God's uh, promise to, him, to them. They were encouraged by it. And then verse 40 says they cast off the anchors. They left them in the sea. And at the same time, they loosened the ropes that tied the rudders. They finally stopped fighting right? They stopped fighting and striving to survive. They let go of the anchors. They let the wind and the water carry them to the shore. 
verse 44, it tells us they all arrive safely just as God promised. Chapter 28, we read all about the island of Malta, okay, that they were shipwrecked on. So Malta means rest. And there was a man on this island named Publius. The Bible says that he was the chief man, okay? So the man in charge. Uh, his father was sick. Paul came, prayed, laid hands on him, and he was healed. After that, all the sick people on the island came and were healed. All of the people who were sick were healed. The Bible says that the people of Malta gave them everything that they needed for the journey to Rome. They stocked the ship. They blessed the voyage. They were in Malta for three months until winter was over, and then they sailed and reached Rome. So what if what Paul perceived as a detour was actually the destination? What, what was the driving force of the ship? It was the wind, right? Who controls the wind? God. Paul didn't want to be shipwrecked for a fourth time. Who would? But God had bigger plans than Paul's comfort and contentment. See, there's, there's two different viewpoints going on here, right? There's Paul's, which is focused on his mission of spreading the gospel to Rome and how he can get there as quickly and as safely as possible, right? The, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Like, I'm here. I want to get there. Let's go. But then there's God's viewpoint. And he takes into account everyone in the whole world and in all of their missions, all of their callings and all of their talents and, and he, all of their needs. And, and he works them all together. He weaves it together in ways that we can't even imagine, all for his glory. So, so you have Paul driven to fulfill his God-commissioned call to take the gospel to Rome. That was a God-commissioned mission, okay? So Paul is driven to fulfill his mission that God has called him to, to take the gospel to Rome. Then you have God who's saying, yes, you're going to go to Rome to take the name of Jesus there. But there's also these people on this island called Malta. And they don't know my name. And there's a ship full of people who won't believe in me unless they see my hand deliver them safely from the storm that seeks to claim their lives. You see, Paul thought he was going to Rome, that Rome was the mission. That God's plans, they are so much bigger than ours. I guarantee you that God has far more and far better and far bigger plans for your life than you do for yourself. Are you on what seems like a detour? Have the winds of life knocked you down and and beaten you around? You just don't feel like you can stand, much less even fight? Does your situation seem hopeless like it did for the sailors on Paul's ship? I want to remind you today that God is in control. Not one thing in your life goes unnoticed by him. He sees you. He hears you. He is for you. And he wastes nothing. His plans will be accomplished. We can rest in him knowing that he's got us. And because of that, we can enjoy the ride by pressing into him. We can draw closer to him so that when those storms come, we're ready. Not not ready to face them on our own, but ready to cling to God through them while he fights for us. 
Thank you guys so much for listening today. That was the final installment of the Axe series. I hope you were blessed by it. Again, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach me uh, directly through the website, which is liveallison.com. You can also send me messages through my social media account, um, which is at live.alliston. I look forward to hearing from you guys and you have been prayed for. 